also inspiration and impartation. I'm going to be down here, Olivia. Um, and um, so you've had some information, and hopefully now we're going to be inspired uh, together. I wonder if the guys could help me, because I just want to pass round, uh, and I don't then want you to focus on it, but I want you to just get each get one of these sheets, which uh, reads Luke 6, verse 31. I wonder if the guys could just help me, if you could just get them ready. And that will be great. Let me just say to each and every one of you, just while they're doing that, give me my attention, not, not them. They're only, they're only passing pieces of paper out. Let me into just a little bit of a, it's not a secret. Um, but at my core being, right, at my core being, I'm an evangelist. Phil would say that. He's very kind with me and he says, well, there's a little bit more to you than that. But at the core of my being, I'm an evangelist. I never intended to be a pastor. Never intended to be. Never really wanted to lead a church. I was just chatting with Steve about Terry Eckersley, who's now an itinerant evangelist and if you really asked me if I, a number of years ago what I was in my heart, it would have been that. And the reason why I say that to you is because I have a burning passion to see people come to faith. I really do. And so, what comes out of me often is this whole thing of just connecting with lost people. And what I want to say to you is it's becoming richer and deeper in me than I've ever known before. God's touching me in ways that when I find myself in prayer, I find myself praying around the same kinds of needs, which is hurting, vulnerable, disadvantaged people. That's what I keep praying into. And uh, tonight, I just want to take a few minutes on the back of what we shared on Sunday, and I think most of you are in, because we um, explained our purpose, the one purpose, the one thing, this one thing, which is to go and grow and to love and serve our community. And so, for me, there's a question that I have to ask myself is, what does that look like for you and for me? To truly love and serve our community. Because it sounds nice, doesn't it? But what does that look like? What does that really look like? More than that, what does that then demand of me? What does that draw from me? Because it's no good as making those kinds of statements. Because they're great statements and they, they look great on boards and they look great on Twitter and they look great on Facebook. But what does it really, really look like? I came across a story in 1872. There was a great church leader in London by the name of Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Fantastic man of God, church planter, theologian, wonderful. And through the invitation um, to D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody was a great American evangelist, not so well known. But in 1872, D.L. Moody came into the UK. He was up in Scotland holding revival meetings, Bible meetings. 
And then Spurgeon had known about him and invited him to come down and preach in his chapel. And they put the publicity out. Because even then they would put a little bit of publicity. And there was an announcement that an American evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody was going to be coming and preaching. It came to the ears of a little boy. Little urchin boy really. Who lived in the slums of, of London at that time. Because many of you know, if you know your history and those who did history, you know, London wasn't a particularly pleasant time then. A lot of um, crime, you know, Oliver, Oliver, it was all real, it was all there. And there was a little b- b- boy, and this is a true story, by the name of Geoffrey. And Geoffrey was unkempt, hardly any clothes, but had heard about D.L. Moody coming and thought, I want to go and hear this preacher. And so we went to the church as people were in the chapel. He heard singing. He went to the door and was about to walk through the door. And there was a man there who said to him, what are you doing? Or words to that effect. He says, I've come to hear this speaker. And he says, no, you're too dirty to come to church. So you're not welcome here. So this little boy goes down the steps, and because he was an industrious little boy, because he had to be, living, ducking and diving on the streets, he went round the chapel and thought, is there a back door that I can get into this meeting? But he found no back door that was open. He thought, I wonder if I can climb through a window, because he was well used to climbing through windows, but there was no windows that were open. And he realized that he was not going to get to hear D.L. Moody. And this little boy walked down the steps and was sat just at the side here and he began to cry because he wanted to go and hear D.L. Moody. Just so happens as he was weeping and the, the, the dirt was running down his face. This is all true. It's not me hamming it up now. The dirt was just running down his face. There was a gentleman, very well dressed gentleman, who came across and said to this little boy by the name of Jeffrey, Laddie, why are you crying? He said, I wanted to go and hear. I heard that there was a man by the name of D.L. Moody and is here preaching tonight. And the man wouldn't let me in. So this man, smartly dressed man, says, get a hold of my hand. A big hand and a little hand. And they walked up the steps together. So they walked up the steps. The man who had turned him away looks and doesn't say a thing. As this man just walks him into the church, to the front row, puts him on the front row, and then he is introduced, the big man, and they introduce him as D.L. Moody. What I'm saying to you is this. There are so many prejudices that we can have There's so many issues that we can have as Christian people. Sure, we say we haven't, but they're uncovered or they're suppressed. And God is wanting to dig very, very deep in this season of strengthening. Because he comes to us and says, Arena Church, 
I don't want you to carry any sense of prejudice towards any man or any woman. But I just want you to simply do what my son did, which was to love and serve the community. You see, Jesus, when he arrived in, on the earth, why the Pharisees? I actually, I don't, hear me out. I feel sorry for, for the Pharisees in some ways because they, they just don't have a clue what we're going off, all the Sadducees. They just didn't have a clue. And this Jesus, who could quote Bible far better than them and lived out the Bible, which really freaked them, starts intermingling with who? What does it say Jesus was the friend of? He spent all his time with sinners. Spent all his time with sinners. Couldn't do with religious people was developing his disciples, but he was called a friend of sinners on purpose. Let me explain to it. Because he was a friend of sinners. That's profound, isn't it? He was a friend of sinners. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that look like for us? Well, it means that he associated with sinners. He got down with them. Get down. He got down with them. Literally to the point where the woman was caught in adultery, he was down with this lady. Zacchaeus, what did he do? Said to Zacchaeus, I want to get down with you. Where? Over supper. I want to connect with you. I want to get down with you. I want to associate with you. I want to accept you. Listen to me. Jesus was a friend of sinners because he listened to them. This sounds so basic, Christian, you might be thinking. Yeah, it is. But how many people do you know who have no voice and nobody listens to them? And all they're looking for is somebody to listen to them. They don't want all the answers. They just want you to listen to them. And Jesus took the time to sit with people over a drink and over some food and he listened to them. Most people want to be understood that to be understood you have to first understand. Jesus was willing to understand what people were going through and this was why he broke with protocol and why he broke with tradition because Jesus associated with people who were not from who were from the wrong side of the street Jesus associated with children Jesus associated with women Jesus associated with publicans and drunkards and prostitutes and all the kind of riffraff that we looked at. Jesus associated with people who had money but were taking money from the people who didn't have money, tax collectors. Jesus associated with them all. It's fascinating. Read the Gospels. I said to the staff recently, I've just taken it upon myself over this year to just read through. I want to know about Jesus. I've read the Gospels, honestly, loads of times. I'm going to read them again. I want to dig deeper into the Gospels. How did Jesus walk? How did Jesus think? How did Jesus act? How did Jesus live? And it was all centered around people. People from all walks of life. He was just here for people. People-centric. That's all he was interested in. His people. Mankind for God so loved people. And so Jesus 
He was willing to understand so then he could be understood. Some of you have gone the wrong way around. You want to belt people, tell them what you believe, and you haven't first understood where they are at. John Maxwell once said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's an interesting statement that's really impacted me over, over the years. Frankly, people don't give a rip about what you know about Jesus. They don't give a rip about your church background. They don't give a rip how much you pray. They don't give a rip on how many hymns you know. They don't give a rip whether your great-grandfather was a pastor and this, that. They don't give a rip. All they want to know is, do you care for me? Do you care for me? Because if you, they know that you care for them, then you've got their attention. And Jesus was brilliant at that. So what does this look like for us? If you just get the piece of paper in your hand, because I've been challenged. These are some of my musings that I've been working through. And I just want to read this through. It's found in the message. For all you guys who, who say, oh, it's not reading from the New International Version or the King James or whatever. I know, guys, please, I'm not about to turn the church into a message church. It just helps us for where we're going. And if you've never come across the, the message, it's written by a great, I think he's Canadian theologian by the name of Eugene Peterson. And it's just, it's very, very helpful in modern day language. And Luke in chapter 6 and from verse 31, I just want to read them through. I just, I read it this morning in staff meeting. Where it, there was, a, it, in some ways, it felt like a bit of stum, stunned silence. We were greatly impacted by what we was reading. We didn't need to say much more. Because the Holy Spirit dug very, very deep in our hearts. So I want to read it to you. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, Do you expect to meddle? I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind So you be kind. Don't pick up on on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. You see, it's easy to smudge, to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this I know better than you mentality again. Playing a holier than thou. 
part instead of just living your own part. Why that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. If you read it in the New International, the King James Version, you have a Bible that just shows you the the words of Jesus in red. You'll see all this written in red. These aren't my words. I know they're Peterson's, but if you just read the actual text, these are Jesus' words. And he's basically challenging our behavior. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to a group of religious Jewish people. And he's challenging their behavior, and I want to challenge mine and our behavior Because if we are going to truly love and serve our community, then we better make sure that we don't be nitpicking over people's faults when we've got a plank coming out our eye and we're trying to nitpick over a speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye. Jesus is trying to address hypocrisy that can live around our lives. And I want to be honest with you. It lives around my life because I sit in judgment at times. Over situation and over people and over circumstances. That what's happening at the moment is the Lord is digging very, very deep. He, he isn't giving me a moment's peace. He doesn't give me a moment's peace. Because I can find myself saying something and then seconds later, I feel the Holy Spirit. And I'm not getting weird. I feel the Holy Spirit just talk to me about my attitude and how I feel towards that person. And what he's doing is, you see, it's no good me saying about God strengthening, digging deep. It's happening, it's happening in us. He's on our case because he wants us to really understand what it means to love and serve our community. To love and serve our community, it is right. It isn't just about the disadvantage. Steve reminded us that of last, just towards the end of the prayer meeting last Tuesday. There's all kinds of people here, business people, professional people, who aren't messed up, but they're empty. They're empty, but we understand there are people who are messed up and who frankly live (laughs) lives that we just now look at and think, ugh, and they see that look. I honestly, please don't shoot me down here. Jesus doesn't look at them like that. He looks at them with love. He hates what we do, but he looks at them with love. I'm so thankful that he's expressed his love to me because there's many times, many occasions, when I felt like God was looking at me like that, when actually it was the complete opposite because I was messing up and God just looked at me with just absolute love. We sing great songs like we're singing, yet we sing them and then we live a completely different way. God loves us. We've sung it tonight. His love is constant. It goes on and on. And on, who is that towards? If you think it's just towards you, you're dreaming. It's towards people in our community. He loves our community. And what he's wanting to get us to is that we begin to love it like he loves it. As we begin to love it like he loves it, revival will break out. Revival will break out. We don't need to have any clever method. As we love how Jesus loves, wonderful, amazing things begin to happen. 
Now listen to me, I'm not condoning bad behavior. I need to move on quickly. I'm not condoning bad behavior. I'm not condoning, well, we've just got to love everybody and it's just the way it is. No, I'm not saying that at all. Because we have to address bad behavior. We're reminded in our elders' meeting that we have to keep wolves at the door. We have to address people as necessary. We have to deal with bad behavior. We have to correct and discipline and challenge as we should in any family. And we have to do that in church. And please pray for Phil and I and the elders as we do that. Because it's not nice. You might think that we enjoy it. We don't. It's not nice for us. But we have to do it. Because we want to make sure that this home is healthy. We want this home to be full of health. Anybody with me tonight? You're very quiet. We want it to be full of health. So we're not condoning bad behavior. We'll address bad behavior. But what we are talking about is particularly people who are far away from Christ walking into our churches with all kinds of baggage and issues. And if we pull faces at them, I want to tell you it's the first sign that we do not love and serve our community. It's the first sign that we do not love them. You see, we should love without reserve. Love without reserve. I told the story before about the the guy in prison, I won't mention his name because I don't know whether we're recording. You all know who we are and Lisa knows. One thing that he said to Lisa and I as we sat with him in that uh, prison there, he says, you're the first person who I've ever felt loved by. Is that right, Lisa? I've only ever experienced real love when you hugged me. Ever hugged him. I mean, this guy's my age. He's been in that in prison since we were 14. He's got six kids. He's made a hash of his life. And by the way, he don't need me to tell him that. He knows that. That's what I'm talking about. We don't need to be doing this. They know. People know when you... Do you know when you've messed up? I do. I don't need anybody telling me. I know. What I need somebody to do is love me. I need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody to stand with me when I've messed up, when I do mess up. Are you hearing me, church? Even me. I need people to stand with me, to love me. I need my wife, that's what she does, to love me and stand with me and care for me. And we must do that one with one to another. So we must love without reserve. We need to accept people. Another thing that I just want to say, because there's so much I want to say, but I just need to cut it to the quick, is we need to be patient with people. If we're going to love and serve our community, we need to be patient. Please don't get all jumping, all you religious people will, will really jump now if there are any in the rooms. But this is a leadership journal. It's, it's called Sexual Tensions. Bit of a sort of, oh, what's he reading? And it says, how to lead with clarity in a, in a shades of grey world. It's a brilliant magazine. I was skipping to it. So, leaving my lesbian past. Going to church alone, being on dance. It's got all kinds of things in there. It's just wonderful, wonderful material. And I, I said to Phil, uh, one thing, because we both get it, it's an American publication. There's some things that I agree with, there's some things I don't agree with, but I like it because it stirs me to think about things. Yeah? We actually need to read things as well that actually provoke a response, good or bad, from us. But this guy, Payton Jones, you've got to understand the context. I'm not going to go through all it. Those who are in staff meeting, don't worry. But he calls it the gospel, and we'll just leave it at this. The gospel in the LGBT world. Those who have any nouns about them know what that means. And he's working in California, which has a huge LGBT population. And this is what he says. Listen to me. You'll know when you're loving and serving our community. You have no idea what LGBT stands. Well, just go and ask Phil afterwards. He'll explain it to you. <laughs> He 
Listen, when the churches I plant, listen, when the churches I plant, this is why I rise, are most effectively reaching their community, Sunday mornings smell like alcohol, and not from church people. Listen to me, not from church people. It's talking from community people. Lesbians sit in our midst holding hands, and there are signs of poverty and substance withdrawal. He then goes on to say, a number of people in our Long Beach plant have left alternative lifestyles, but we had to be patient with them. That really impacted me. I want everybody born again. First, get an issue. So, Kath, you've got an issue, right? I'm going to sort you. Get you saved. Saved. That's it now. Friends, he doesn't always work like that. Are you hearing me? If we are going to love and serve our community, we've got to be patient with people. Patient with people. People, he then goes on, people who don't eventually repent as a sign of that inner life coming to the service may not last long with us, but we last long with them. For us, baptism has served as a natural unspoken barrier for people ready to change. Wow. So what he's saying is baptism is such a real thing. Last quote from him in this patient. When Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was an orthodox, what would we class him as, Phil? Conservative evangelical. I've got one of his books, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was at Westminster Chapel, wasn't he? When he ministered in a Welsh dockside church filled with blue-collar, rough-necked converts, he protected them from overzealous believers who wanted to rush the work of the Holy Spirit. He told them to back off and to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he did best. Listen, we cannot rush transformation, and trying to do so will hamstring the work of the gospel. I'm being impacted by this kind of stuff because I'm just asking myself the question, what does it mean to love and serve our community? It means that we're going to have people from backgrounds that we don't understand, It means we're going to have people, so some of you come from working class backgrounds and we're going to have some highfalutin business people come in and that can be also a prejudice that you carry. So please don't lock it from the other side. If people start turning up in their nice cars with their nice Armani suits going on their expensive holidays, please let's not carry prejudice. Please, let's not carry prejudice. In the same way, those who from, and I don't like using language like this, but I'm having to just for the case of tonight, from a middle class, suburban, Walton's kind of existence, Lisa, that we often talk about, we start turning our nose up at people who come in smelling of drink, sweating because they're coming off drugs, carrying food out because they've got no food. Please, let's be embracing of the community in which we live. God is digging deeper. I hope you're just catching the heart of my, what I'm saying. I, I don't know whether some of you are. I really hope so. God wants us to love and serve our community, and it's not just 
for Lisa and the team at Arena Community. It, Tracy, it's not just for you, Dan. Oh, well, we'll leave Tracy to love those kids. No, it's our responsibility to love those kids. Loving and serving our community is not wrapped up in a department. It's a lifestyle. Are you hearing me? It's a lifestyle. And when we have people who come and cross the threshold, who come down, there may be somebody down there, we make sure it's our business to love and serve everybody, to love and serve this world in which we live. Phil's going to come and give us just a few announcements. But before he does that, I wonder if I can ask Julian for Kev to just come. And I just want this word to just, just settle in our hearts. I hope you've received it. I can sometimes come away a little bit insecure with it all. Have you, have you received it tonight? Have you got the, just the heart of what I just feel the Lord wanted to say to us tonight and just trying to lay in to love and serve our community and I just want us to sing this. Um, it was just that line, I'm running to your arms. And I want to encourage you to run to Jesus. If you've got any prejudice in you, for whatever reason, what I didn't touch on was, you know, we're longing for all colors to be in our congregation. Different nationalities, both, both sides and across this area. We're believing for all kinds of people to come and find home here. You see, remember, so you know I'm not a liberal. God loves us as, as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. We're not talking about him leaving us as we are. He loves us too much to leave us as we are. But he loves us just as we are. Just as we are. And I want to encourage you, if you've got any prejudice or any thoughts or just any concerns, or if it's like me, God, I just want to run into your arms. I just want to run in your love. Because as we receive God's love, it can't help but flow out of us. I wonder if we could just stand together and just sing this for you a few times. And then I'm just going to ask Phil to just come in, finish finish it off just at the end. Is that okay? And oh, I'll run into your arms. I'll run into your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace.